All right. Welcome back to Over Engineered, the podcast where we ask the very important question, what's the absolute best way to do things that don't particularly matter? Uh, I am here today with Caleb Porzio. Hey, Caleb. Chris, boss man, Chris. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. I, uh, you know, I often start the episode saying I'm here with my friend so-and-so. I, I feel like we're more uh, acquaintances, but I have to thank you for... Uh, Why would you well, say that? You Chris, know, I, I don't want to presume together here. for like an hour. <laughs> That's true. And okay. didn't keep score. Okay. I am here with my friend, Caleb Porzio. There you go. Who I, I think, uh, I don't know which of you did it, but uh, I, I think I'm going to give you credit for... Uh, giving me the name boss man chris which oh is that now, right now i get i get boss man dad from my kids which i kind of love yeah <laughs> that's amazing it's uh it's pretty fun so um uh, chris i i'm sorry to to prevent you from continuing on but i feel i'm really hung up on this acquaintance designation you know i'm not gonna get past this right away <laughs> i think our bar for acquaintance and friend is different Okay. You know okay. what I'm saying? Like we've hung out in person. That's true. We've hung out on, like we pair programmed like multiple times. You know, that's true. Okay. That's true. We've that's had, a fair point. Like telegram conversations. We've, uh, Chris, come on. All right. All right. You're making me feel bad here. I no. just, I, I didn't want to extend. Here's the thing. You know, I feel like I knew you more through No Plans to Merge for a long time. Yeah, right. And there's that whole like weird parasocial thing that happens with podcasts. Yes. And uh, so I, I think I'm always, I'm always uh, uh, very hesitant with like online stuff to like presume that like, hey, we've been like talking on Twitter for like a while. That doesn't really mean anything. You right, know what right, I mean? Right. Yeah. You And you were in the position of like, because you were the person saying whether or not we were friends or not, if you, you didn't want to presume and be like, oh, this is my friend Caleb. And then I'm like, dude, we're not even like that close, right. you know? So you were just erring on the side of acquaintance, which I totally agree with. And the parasocial thing, you're right. However, most of the time, if you just listen to a podcast of mine, you would have that. But on our podcast, you are a character. So I have that with you too. You <laughs> That's know? true. So it's like I have just as much of a parasocial relationship as you do with me. So I think that turns it into a social relationship. I, all right. I think that's technically how that works. I think you're I right. Think, I think we pinned it down. Okay, we we overthought it. it and we figured it out. Right. I mean, that's the whole premise. That's the podcast. So, okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the pitch of what, I, what I'm thinking about here. Right. Great. So, uh, you know, uh, Daniel and I are working on verbs. This is our this is our like theory unified theory of event sourcing for Laravel. Right. Yeah. You just launched Livewire V three. Uh, I had a couple of interesting conversations on top of that around um, some features that are being worked on in on like Laravel core or like ideas that people are are wanting to PR that all like fall into this same category of uh, life cycle hooks or just hooks in general. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a thing that I just, I constantly bump into this question of like, how do you make, how do you make package? Like, you know, this is mostly talking about like a uh, package code, right? Not application code, um, framework code. Yeah. How do you make code 
extensible in really flexible ways, um, especially around uh, around things that sort of happen in a specific kind of important sequence, right? And like we see this in the framework around like hooking into uh, different like the, how how different traits hook into uh, tests, right? Um, refresh database, like that sort of thing. Sure. Like, okay. I think of that as like an opportunity to maybe have like a formal hook system. Yep. I know that Livewire has a, a huge like lifecycle hook system and, and Verbs is going to as well. And so I just like, it feels to me like I have this thing like tickling my brain that's like, yeah, there should just be this concept of a hook that just works yeah. across the whole ecosystem. Yeah. I mean, this, uh, it's interesting. I, I mean, I feel like I'm the guy because I've converted like the entire back end and front end to a hook system. So pretty much every feature I write, I start with hooks, both front end and back end. Everything core and plugin and is all hook related. And I've written like a handful of dimp different implementations. And even just today, I did like a hook related addition to make the hooks even more flexible. Um, so I think I'm your guy, but also they're regarding like laravel lacking these hooks i found a need for times where you want to like if you want to hook in okay the main hook in laravel that we use is a service provider's uh register and boot method right sure absolutely and i have found that it's actually like it's useful to hook into those points from other areas in an application and it's difficult so in Livewire, like if I want to scope a feature to a specific folder or file, but I need it to do something inside that at that point in time in the service provider boot to like register a blade directive or something. Yeah. It's kind of difficult. So, and there's no like great affordance in Laravel to do it. So what I ended up doing in the core is I take the instance of the service provider and I'm pretty sure this is what I do. I forget exactly. This might not be hundred percent accurate. I think I abandoned this, but I, I took <laughs> the actual instance of the service provider because there's certain methods on provider that don't exist globally. I'm trying to think of, of which one it is, but there's a few that's like, if you want to add like a, a view namespace or something, things like that, like only exist on this arrow inside of a service provider. So I've like taken the service provider object and like passed it around in different places so that I still have the ability to call a method on that provider. Yeah, um, for sure. In my hooks in, in Livewire, I have a static method called provide that gives me a hook into the provider lifecycle. So from one of my like feature hooks, like if I'm developing a new Livewire feature, like whatever, and uh, I don't know, I can't even think of one right now. If I'm developing a new feature that involves like a blade directive or something, I do that all in my provide method because it's really useful so whatever that's a little bit oh that's on... that's pretty cool yeah. yeah it's like the it's it's almost like the inverse it's like a hook that then can reach back out into other places yeah it, it gets called from the service provider those provide methods and i think they get past the instance of the service provider so that i can easily call those those like public or protected methods that normally you can't call from other places so whatever that's just right. a little trick i do yeah that's cool yeah i mean i think it it also i th i think probably a reason why a lot of people don't bump into this is really the place where hooks 
feel the most important and powerful and also like the hardest to to pin down is when you have a library, whether it's Laravel or something like Livewire, and then you have another library that works with it. And so like Laravel, I mean, one of my favorite things about Laravel is every time you need to do something, you go source diving and usually there's some yeah. empty function just waiting for you to put your code into and it just gets yeah. called for you, you know? There's always a hack path. Like, yeah, I've never, there's very few times where I've been totally stumped because even if you get stumped with like, there, there's not an empty method or something, most things are registered in the container and you can ex you can like wrap them in your own extended class yep. that is gets injected in the container and basically do whatever you want. Um, yep. Yeah. There's like very very few times that I've been really stumped. So yeah, kudos to Laravel for being yes. so hackable. And those are like application level hooks, I would call them. Right? They're they're like things that are meant to be called from application code. Right? True. Like a base controller that it has like yeah. a method. Yeah. And and the thing that I bump into is, you know, say I have a package that I wanna I wanna register a little like extra something somewhere. Yeah. I can't like I can't I don't wanna ask the end user to be like, well, instead of extending service yeah. provider, extend my service provider so that I can like also right. hook into those like places. If you want to add some method onto the base controller class from a package, you're kind of screwed. Like right. if you want somebody in their project to be able to use your thing in their controller right from their controller, there's no good story for that. Right. Yeah. And like a, a great example is, you know, another package that I maintain is modular, which I know Daniel has talked about a, a bunch yeah. with you. Like we basically have to extend every single like make command in mm. the framework just to add an additional argument to them. And they're not, we're barely doing anything more than that. You know, we're just adding another argument and then potentially changing like where the file gets written to. Yeah. Um, but we, you know, it ends up being this sort of awful hacky thing that I have to maintain. And every time like a new change happens to those make commands because I'm kind of like messing with things that aren't really part of the public API. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, I You're know you've dealt with it. that. Yeah. Yeah. Tons of and, times. Um, yeah. It's like it's moments like that where I feel like if there was a more sort of formal system of like, here are all the places where you might want to hook in and they, they need to be composable. They need to be like, I can stack one implementation from this package and another package can push itself into it and then yeah. my application can push like its right, own logic not in replaced. there. Like you're not like yeah. replacing the other side effects of that hook you're just hooking in jumping in the pile of people hooking right. in yeah is um, that should we how do, i don't know your listener like the level of the listener listening to this do they know what we mean by hooks and stuff like uh like do we need to uh, intro this concept of what a hook is and anything like that i think that? it's okay i mean i would say I would be amazed other than my daughter, my, my 11 year old does listen to this, which is nice. so funny to me. What's, um, are we, do, do, does the listener know her name? Is this private information? No. Uh, okay. I, I don't think have so. Have you assigned a fake name yet so that we can, can say hello? I should, I should think I should. Genevieve. Uh, <laughs> sure. Hi Genevieve. <laughs> um, 
uh, I don't. I actually don't think she listens anymore. But she did listen the first couple episodes, oh, which really made me. That's great. Me up. That's awesome. But uh, other than that, I feel like the listener to this this podcast is a very highly technical. Okay. Laravel PHP developer. I, I would imagine because we're talking about pretty pretty wild wild things. Yeah. Um. But yeah. I mean, what what would be your definition of hook? Because I think it's a useful question anyway. Yeah. Um. I purposely said hook like you did earlier. You dropped lifecycle because lifecycle hook. Well, one, it's like one of the worst names. It's just it screams boring. You don't want to know about me. Right. You know, this it's like kind of like service provider React <laughs> or like docs. Yeah, right. It's at the bottom of the docs. And I unfortunately use it high up in the docs in Liveware and Alpine. But um, I really hate the word. And it's like the way the thing we're talking about is more than like, like a lifecycle hook to me is like a view component that's like mount and destroy or something where like a hook can be anything anywhere, you know? Right, right. Um, yeah. So I guess my my definition of a hook is basically how I use them, which is from some place in your code anywhere, you trigger a hook. You just, I call this little trigger method and I pass a name to it and then I pass any parameters that anybody would want. And it's just, its sole purpose is just for other people or other places in the code to hook into that without me having to call those things directly. And then, so to hook into it, I have a little on method. So let's say that the trigger is called, um, I'm trying to think of something not Livewire specific. Uh, you can use Livewire, it's fine. Yeah, okay. So like a really common one for me on the front end is the request of a component, when a component makes a request to the server. So I just have like in the code base, when I actually do the Ajax request, I call like trigger and then I pass the string request. And then I pass in the payload I'm sending to the server. Um, and then anywhere else in the code base, I can just use on and then pass in request and then a callback that receives those parameters. And I can have a hundred on request, you know, hooks. So to me, a hook is that it's just a little trigger with a name and some parameters and then um, that's the trigger. And then the hook part is the listener that I've, I've used the word both hook and on for that method. Um, but yeah, you hook into that place, you get the parameters and you do whatever you want. And that's its most like simple form, which yeah. it, it can expand beyond I've like been, with affordances. You know, I've been thinking about like, because there's the, the difference or the, the distinction between a hook and an event listener yeah. is like a little bit fuzzy and yeah. it, it's almost like a hook True. is a specialized uh, event dispatching system where the the intention it I, this is this is a question that i've been kind of like pondering is is this just a thing where you ha you just use the event dispatcher but there's a different intention or right. is there something fundamentally different because the the main difference is i see it is like a hook implies that like either what you're passing to the hook might be manipulated or the results of those calls might be used by yeah. the code that's calling the hook, right? Yeah, I think that is the distinction. When I think of an event, like it's it's like purest form is in the browser, you know, like a click event or something. And there is some some ability of mutation with like a browser click event. But in general, I think a browser event is meant the person dispatching the event is just like, hey, anybody else is listening to this, do whatever side effects you want, and that's that. 
I'm doing right. my own thing. Where a hook to me is like, I'm doing a thing and I'm giving you the opportunity to change stuff right here. And then the code that follows that trigger might be impacted by what you put inside that hook. I might be passing yeah. mutable data, like an object by reference that you might be mutating, even though I depend on one of those pieces of data right after the hook. Right. Right. Or maybe what you return in the callback uh, is then used. Yeah. It might yeah. be like a middleware type thing. Like, yeah, changing that. Um yeah, there's a lot of interesting, very specific things because I went down that road of like returning things and using like middleware type hooks and such. And I've pretty much backed out of it in favor of just mutating references, you know, because um, it, it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Why? Uh, why did you make that? Like, well, a there's just a lot of times where you don't want to mutate anything, but you still have to like return the thing. You know, like if you have that call. So let's take, for example, just to have like a specific example, let's use this request thing as an example. You trigger request, right? Mm -hmm. And then all these listeners that have on request accept in the payload that's going to go to the server, right? Mm -hmm. As a parameter, you could make it so that you have to return a payload object from that sure. little hook. And then every, every hook right. each one has middleware. to return it. The yeah. problem with that is it's it's a there's a lot of times you don't need to mutate payloads so yeah, you yeah, love to return right. it but you can even get around that like I I had a system at one point where if you returned something you meant to override it if you return yeah. nothing then I leave it alone yeah but then you get into like you know it's just as like a little bit vague for the user and then also there's it's inflexible because you might want to add something else to be mutated and now what are you returning two things right you return a tuple. Or right. an object of things. Right. And it just gets like restricting where if you just pass in payload, if payload is an object in JavaScript or PHP, it is by reference and you can just mutate it and right. then you're set. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's true. And I mean, even if you have a scaler, like the consuming code, as long as you're planning for it, the consuming code can accept it by reference and manipulate true. that. That, that does get like really gnarly if you start like <laughs> passing scalers and trying to like in like take them in by reference and such. Um, my solution to this is pretty much like I I switched in JavaScript most of my hooks. I stopped passing individual parameters instead an object of parameters mm -hmm. so that sure. the whole thing's by reference and then yeah. you're covered with scalers. And with JavaScript you can easily destructure those object yeah. params, it even looks nicer. And the user sure. has, they don't have to worry about parameter order. They can just destructure the value they want, the parameter they want. And they don't have to yeah. worry. And, if you, and you don't yeah. have to worry about like, if you had to have to add new stuff exactly. to that object, it's, yeah, it's, it's much better for sure. Yeah, so a lot of the PHP code base is still that parameter order thing where it, then it, it restricts you. Now it's like, it's a breaking change if you need to like add one before something and whatever. And in, in JavaScript, it's mostly the object syntax, which was actually a breaking change between V2 and V3 LiveWire JavaScript. But it's I did it the last minute and it's so much better. Yeah. 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 So much better. Yep. Yeah. I, I get, I, I think that I have, I've been tempted to do kind of what you were talking about before where it's like, okay, well, if you return something and it's of the type that like we're expecting then use it otherwise just continue to use the original thing and i can see how that would get brittle yep. it's like it's a little tricky yeah one thing i do so this is the another reason why that's not great um 
because if in your hook you re- you're returning a value, I like to instead most of my hooks you can return a callback from, and it's like a mm-hmm. follow up. So in the PHP mm-hmm. side and in the JavaScript side of Livewire, when I trigger a hook, I'm often I'll say like let finish or follow up equal trigger, and that variable. So I trigger I trigger the hook. Okay, this is we're yep. in the trigger side. Yeah, I assign the result of trigger to a callback to this yeah. you know, finish or whatever variable. And then, so in the request scenario, with a request, you often need to hook into the response. So if I'm just using hooks, one-off events, then it's like I trigger request, then you can do something, and then I trigger response. But often you need the request payload and the response. It's like you need both, and then you have all this cobbly code to like share scope between them. It's so much nicer if, now I'm talking the consuming side, if you just say on request, you accept in the payload, and then you can return a callback that is the response. And yeah. now you can, you know, you have at, you have the scope of the request, and you can optionally follow up. That return callback is like a follow up. That's that's like a common pattern in JavaScript. Do you do that in the PHP side as well? Yeah, I, I do like it in the. I use cool. it heavily in the PHP side, and yeah, I, pretty much like that got lodged in my brain from use effect. Like yeah. that to yeah, me yeah. was was like react use effect was like okay this is now a pattern and i can mm-hmm. use that pattern without feeling like i'm just introducing some random api it's like no there's like a uh precedence for this right but i will add one more thing that i like in the scenario of the request you are hooking into the response but often it's like helpful what if the response fails you know it's like oh now is the response follow up callback now what are you dealing with? Like maybe you give status and print, you know, and then you deal with. So what I've opted for instead is so when you're consuming request, like on request, okay, mm-hmm. you get past the payload. And the first scenario I was describing, you're returning a callback to deal with the response, right? Uh-huh. Well, now instead, when you're consuming it, you say on request and you can get the payload, but you can also get a few other object parameters and they are respond and succeed and fail and i'm not like sold on the names or anything but now you can follow up on different things you're just like getting callbacks that you can then use yeah so i found that is actually that that's the ultimate inflexibility is like pass mutable object parameters into the hook and also pass in their follow-ups as parameters and then you have to do a little bit of glue work you know on the trigger end to to deal with like when you call respond and when you call, you know, you have to kind of aggregate a bunch of individual trick or hook callbacks. But, um, but anyway, this is what I've sort of found as the most flexible and powerful way to deal with hooks. Um, So what do you, do you think like, what's the, what's the advantage there? I can't, I can't see it immediately. What's the advantage there of, using that pattern versus just having additional hooks for those other moments in the request lifecycle. Right. So here's, let me give you a Livewire example where I, I started down just the return callback follow-up path. And then I had, I got kind of bit by it. Okay. So when a Livewire, let me just get this right. It's like when you're, maybe it was render. There's some callback where it's like, I want to hook in, or maybe it's Maybe it's mount. It's like a component's mounted. And then I want the return callback to be like the 
HTML. I don't know. I needed some three chain, not just a trigger and follow up. I needed three things. I needed like the trigger is like mount. The follow up is like the HTML that's returned or something. And then the follow follow up is like the, the final HTML or the whatever. Maybe the second one is the the blade view that's going to be rendered. And then the third one is the HTML that gets rendered. It was like I needed a three chain. If I didn't right. use that three chain and I just had individual methods like mount and you know HTML or whatever, you end up with all these conditionals. Like if the thing, like if you don't do that three chain, if you just have like listen for mount, then listen for render that you have all these conditionals. Like I only want to respond to the render if something happened in mount. I have to right. set like an outside right. variable and there might be scope that mount passed that I have to set by reference outside right. of it so that I can use it in the listener. And there's yeah, all just all sorts of see. things that, yeah, it, yeah. that it gets like totally. Oh, and also like if it's a, if it's an event sent from a component, you might be hooking into it for like that component, but then the render hook, it's going to trigger for every component. And you have to like scope that reaction just to that specific component. Um, yeah, right. I don't know. It just gets really gnarly. So I've, again, found that like a solution to that was return a follow-up callback and then enable you to return infinite nested follow-up callbacks to right. like <laughs> hook in all these stages. And it's like, this is stupid. Just, yeah. just pass a parameter that somebody can call and pass in their follow-up callback. It's named. Um and they can do anything they want. So if anybody's still following that, like those are kind of the hurdles I found with all the stages of the lifecycle hook stuff. Yeah. And where I've kind of come to is like, this works for me, you know? I like that as a pattern. I mean, I can imagine maybe having like a more formal concept of like, uh, like, you know, hook context or something like that where you could generalize that. Yeah. But, I, I, I do I get, have like component context that because they're, yeah, I, I have, you're right that especially in PHP where you can't just create like a quick, you know, um, object literal, you know, like you kind of can, but in yeah, PHP, it's, it's, not, it's in JavaScript, you can just make an object literal. Now it's mutable. You pass any params you want. Yeah. In PHP, it doesn't feel like that. You could use like standard class but then, or like JSON encode, decode to an object to get the mutability. But then, yeah, just it doesn't, in PHP, you end up making a class and whatever. So yeah, maybe there's a context class that's like built yeah. into the system that's meant for this kind of thing that has all the juice on it. Yeah, that's or like a, like a sequence, like a hook sequence where it's like you pass in a bunch of hooks and they only fire if they like if like they only fire if they fire in sequence or something like that. But I, in the end, I mean, honestly, just passing a couple of callbacks that you can use feels a lot better. I think it's so nice. Um, yeah, that, that part kind of feels like, again, I, I'm not using that heavily in the PHP side. I am in the JavaScript side because it's so much more flexible and simple in PHP. I would have to like build it out as a cons. You know what? I could just do it in PHP. It'd be no problem. Right, there's there's no difference. There's no really. difference. No. Yeah. The the I can see that there's there's probably some like there's more complexity hiding in like how do you orchestrate calling all those callbacks in like the right sequence uh in the at the right times, I would imagine. Yeah. Well, the thing is is that you control it 
you can the you, you know the person triggering the hook you control when those callbacks are run so it because it has right. to be that way it has to be bespoke right. you know and that's the right. beauty of it coming up with like clean apis for it that aren't like the most gnarly implementations ever is not the simplest thing like you need some helpers because if you think about it like already you have a we, we talked about a hook is not just like a trigger happens and then only one hook happens it's like everybody who hooked in has a callback that needs to get right. run and passed these things in an order right. these yeah. follow-ups have to be aggregated as well they have yeah, to do be you collected. deal with any like priority handling in any of that that's another problem i fortunately there's inherent priority in when on is called the first person to call on on that hook is going to get yep. run first yep so because a lot of this stuff is core i can just change the order that the listeners are registered in you know like if yeah. a feature needs to take priority over another feature i can put that higher up literally in like the file that includes that feature yeah but there are times where it's like oh i am in some random file and i need to hook into the response before morph dom does anything in right where like i need yeah, to yeah, yeah. mutate that html before morph dom happens so i just want to be able to there's you could go so deep with like priority and such but i think the simplest thing that i've used is before and after so it's like i have methods there's on that just is a listener then there's before which is just on with top priority yep. and then there's after which is bottom priority and yeah. if that's not enough for you you're really in the weeds yeah and you're you're playing with fire um, <laughs> sure because you're creating order dependencies anyway yeah, yeah for sure yeah so on or before and after have worked for me of just like bump to the top bump to the bottom you know yeah that i mean that feels like enough yeah for almost all cases yep so I, okay so i can i can imagine a world where there is basically a generic thing called a hook right yeah and you can fire a hook i would argue that like you should be able to chain on as many for lack of better term right now like life cycle moments for that hook right so i'm imagining a world where i do like hook colon colon make uh hmm. request right yeah and then i can do like uh you know arrow incoming and i see that or you know arrow life cycle i don't know and give it yeah, a name, like incoming yeah arrow life cycle outgoing or whatever right so these yeah. are like the two moments of the request hook um and then i would call like fire and pass in the arguments gotcha right and all of my like consuming anywhere that i had registered to like you know interact with that hook i would get basically all of the arguments that had been passed into fire yeah as well as a callback for every lifecycle moment that i had registered on the hook when i called it right yes yep. to just sort of like generalize that concept so you're not just like passing random functions in and then having to keep track of them sure and then the hook system like when i get i would just like get back the result of that call as like a you hook know, object a or hook object yeah. that then i can i can then just call like hook call incoming yeah and pass more arguments into that 
right? Yeah. And then hook, call, outgoing, and pass arguments into that. And just like have the system handle with all the orchestration. You could have a, a little bit of like an API around like before and after, and like maybe some sort of thing where like if you need to, you can like manually push your your like callback into the collection in like the exact place that you care about. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's yeah, that's good. Um, right. I the only part of so that's good, and that would solve the problems. The only part of that that's like fuzzy on an API level. Or, okay, two like random hangups with it. One, it's very PHP, which is you know fine for PHP, but like hook colon colon make. I'm already like, uh, like can't this just be a function called hook? And it can be sure. Um, so I can solve that by just making it a function done that internally calls hook make. Fine. Sure. If you say hook colon colon make, you specify a name and now you're specifying lifecycle chains like arrow incoming, you know, and then a callback that, or, oh, right. Okay. So I guess this is the part where it's like, those are names, bespoke hooky names, incoming, outgoing, they're whatever the user wants to call them. Yep. Whatever um, you need. How do we take those names and use them throughout you know so is it a magic function when you're saying hook colon colon make request you're saying arrow incoming is that a magic function that well i would probably do like arrow life cycle or arrow uh break point or yeah you know, like that and you just give it another name yep and that would just turn into a closure that's passed yeah. through the hook and then on the object that you'd get back so that's on the the like consuming side your like code that's hooking into things would get get a function with that name for each like breakpoint that you add right and then on the end i call that hook and i get back an object that now has you know magic methods on it essentially or or you could just like call have a method called call breakpoint or whatever or call lifecycle that you passed in that name again right and now that would orchestrate calling all of the callbacks for each hook that had been registered yep 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 yeah and the, and the rest is just how you want to do the api like i could see so let's say you just call those magic methods on hook make or maybe they're not maybe they're breakpoint or whatever and then you or hook um I kind of like breakpoint. Yeah, breakpoint's not bad. So maybe it's breakpoint and then you pass in a name and then now you have that hook object and you call like hook arrow call breakpoint or something. You pass or maybe it's called break and then you pass in the name of the breakpoint and then any parameters you want to pass to it. And now yep. on the consuming end, you say hook colon colon on or whatever, pass in the name and then a callback that receives the initial hook parameters. But maybe there's also a like a context object, like a hook object on the consuming end that you would say arrow and then maybe it's a magic method called incoming or maybe it's just breakpoint and then it's like a breakpoint listener, you know? Yeah, or it could just be that it spreads closures into the arguments. So like I just yeah. get each breakpoint in the order that they're defined. Yeah, I guess the I only mean, guess... random problem with that for me is just it feels like you're defining a magic string at the trigger end and then on the yeah, breakpoint yeah, yeah. end. No, I get it. So even just for something as simple as is because the primary drawback of using hooks and triggers is that 
you can't follow the code anymore because it goes right. into a bus. So the way to follow code for me often is global find in my project and then that string, you know, that mm-hmm. hook string. Yeah. So it's like to use a breakpoint as a magic string at the trigger level, but then a magic method at the listener level, kind All of right. like neuters the find replace story. How about this? You just pass in a breakpoint breakpoints object as the last argument to the 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 listener. And yeah. that object has some like functional has some methods on it that you can call if you prefer that syntax. Yeah. But it's also invocable. So you could just do breakpoints, uh, open parenthes, and then just give it the name and then pass a closure as a second argument. And you get basically the same API as what you're you're describing. Right. Just pass a just like with break one point object. closure. Um yeah. that you can just call it. I mean, it can just straight up you we could just offer it as an invocable thing that yeah, like breakpoint exactly. always accepts the string of the breakpoint and then a callback to receive the parameters of the breakpoint. Yeah. And like in a lot of cases, if they're simple, you can just do it in arrow function. So you don't even have to worry about scope. You just have access to the scope inside of your main hook call. Yeah, right. Yep. Like, yeah, that's the other drawback that of PHP cool. is all the uses. But yes. Um, but even that, yeah, whatever. It's just part of the part of the thing. And yeah, you can use short closures. So yeah, I mean, I like that a lot. I think the break kind of hardening that breakpoint concept is useful. Um yeah, that honestly, if I had started with that, like I, I, my journey through hooks and triggers and everything is codified in the code base at every point, right. you know, unfortunately, and it would be great if I could start fresh and just have like, like, I mean, why we're here, a codified, um, cano- a, like canon hooks, canon. Yeah. Like, these are the words. This is the API. You can see it and use it in JavaScript. You can see it and use it in PHP. It's simple. Like it could be a GitHub gist to save you the hour it'll take you to build it, you know? Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we can, ha- you can handle priority pretty easily there, right? Cause that, you know, that, that, um, the breakpoint object could handle its own priority and the hook call the initial hook call could handle its own priority so if i need like you know i'm kind of thinking probably you just use an integer and you just like say before is starting at zero and yeah. after is starting at like ten thousand, and everything's registered at like five thousand or whatever yeah. and then like a z index push things priority, yeah. into other spots if you need to with like a special method true and like that can just exist on both the breakpoints and the initial hook call yep Okay. Yeah, I mean, the only other piece that I can think of is like sometimes you need to like halt, right? Like, yep. Yeah, there's like stop propagation. <laughs> yeah, it's basically stop pro- propagation, right? I've done um, that. Like in my hooks, I'll pass a callback called stop propagation that does that. I'm trying to think yeah. of the point where I've needed that, but I think it's it's um I think even error handling in Livewire like validation errors and stuff. Like there's times I need to hook into exceptions that are thrown in Livewire. So I actually have like a try catch and that catch fires a trigger. And when you're listening for that, there's times where you need to bail out. Yeah. Um, so it's only one or two plays in the code base, but I have used the stop propagation pattern to basically allow a hook to prevent going on. So yeah, build it. You're right. 
building it into the system. So we got like aggregate hooks, breakpoints and aggregate breakpoint calls, bespoke breakpoints, and then ordering numerically, and then a stop propagation mechanism to prevent everything else from reacting. Problem solved. Bam. We did it. That I mean, honestly, those are all of the points. Good point on the stop propagation because I have needed that and I totally forgot about that. But those are, those are, that's it. That's a robust hook system that any more robustness you you wouldn't even need. I can't even think of something you would need. Right. But that would be really like, you know, it's, I don't know. I think this is a solved problem. I think we just solved it. Like we cracked it. Okay. So, so here's, here's the test, right? Because I have a few pet places in the framework that I would love to see this happen in Laravel. Right. So I have noticed uh, somebody, somebody maybe isn't thinking about the problem in this way, but someone is aware uh, and thinking about it a little bit in like APIs that have been added because like I have, you know, there, there are a bunch of places in Laravel and I'm blanking out on the, on one. So maybe you'll have one where there's like a static, like create X using or like do something using, and you just can pass it a callback. And if you don't do it, there's like a default implementation that Laravel calls, but you can just like pass different me- different classes like a, a, a callback and they just use them if they're there. Okay. That's, that's like a pattern throughout the framework. Um, and I feel like all the old ones accepted a single closure and replaced a, uh, you know, replaced a single property on the, the class itself. Yeah. And all the ones that have been created anytime recently basically push that closure into an array and mm. then loop through the array. I mean, it, to the degree that it makes sense. There are some places where you wouldn't want to have it be. And that's actually an interesting question. I got I got a, a Laravel example of this for you. Okay. If you want to hook into Laravel's pagination, you say like whatever, pagination and then colon colon resolve and now like you're the person resolving the paginator instance and you can um you can basically use it however you like right instead of this is how livewire overrides the paginator to do its own pagination um there's yeah those the there's those anytime in laravel i think what you're talking about is anytime you see resolve or resolve using which has been there's been more and more resolve and resolve using type things in laravel and i think is that what we're talking about well that's one of them i mean the one that i can think of is like the queue has a create payloads using okay static method that basically you can register a callback yeah and it's going to cycle through that all those callbacks and essentially like let multiple callbacks yeah. kind of push additional stuff onto the queue sure. payload. Okay. Right. And that's useful. You know, the, the like bug snag, uh, yeah. Just package will like yeah, put some yeah. other stuff on there or like, um, and so that's an example where that is a hook. Honestly, hooking in the handle would be great. And maybe there is a way in Laravel, but just like, or even like hooking into database query to like log time and stuff, any yep. sort of like logging, yep. uh, like time performance and database stuff and exception handling, like basically anything when you install like the bug snag package, they probably want all this stuff. So you don't have to like, right. you know, add something to the, your own handler in your file or 
or override the handler. Yeah. And there's a way, I mean, there's a way to do it right in almost all these cases to some degree, some of them are not as flexible as I would like, especially older APIs, like don't account for potentially wanting to have like multiple hooks registered. Yeah. Um, but you know, in most cases there is a way to do timing or logging or whatever, uh, some other way, but it would be really cool if there was just sort of like a unified way to approach all this stuff, you know? So here's, here's the, so this is great because what we've, we've already, we've, we've started with the premise that hooks are useful and good for extending and building like modular systems. And now we're identifying where Laravel falls short with that and how nice it would be if Laravel used what we're describing, this sort of universal hook thing. So a bug snack package could easily hook into something logging, right? I'm assuming you have some kind of WordPress background. Yeah, WordPress definitely has a million concepts of hooks. Yes. So like Word I remember when I was digging into WordPress development, like building plugins and stuff. It's like you can do anything you want to do cuz you can hook into anything. Yeah. And that experience sucked. <laughs> and I have a, such a bad taste in my mouth for that. I bet like if there's a, a sufficiently talented WordPress developer on here, they're like, "Oh my gosh, it's actually amazing cuz whatever." But I just remember that system feeling so using it doesn't feel ergonomic. It's overwhelming and it's indirect where like when you're interacting with your Laravel application, it's well-documented. There's like distinct APIs that feel ergonomic and you can source dive where it's setting the thing and calling the thing. Maybe that's what it is, is like, I've eaten the cost of lack of source dive ability in my project. Yeah, for sure. But in Laravel, if I lost that ability, oh, that would suck because it's not my project. Yeah. You know? I mean, okay, I have I'm gonna push back a little bit. I have two thoughts Great. there. Okay. My first my first thing is I do think that WordPress hooks could be a nightmare to deal with. Yeah. I also think that WordPress's success is almost entirely yeah. <laughs> because of the extensibility that, that comes through the hook system, right? The reason that so many packages can do the things that they can do is because almost every function in like WordPress core has multiple hook calls in it to like hook yeah. into the beginning and the middle and the end and like after the end, you know, like there's a yes. million hooks. I got there. a lot of like knowledge and hook inspiration just from new WordPress, like their new hook system or whatever. It's kind of been the same thing for a while, but, um, but yeah, like they, everything we're talking about WordPress uses fundamentally. I think you're right though, that, that shouldn't be the like the 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 thing that makes it bad in WordPress is that is the primary interface for everything. Yes. Right. Whereas I think that hooks lend themselves to specific moments in time. Yeah. And shouldn't be it shouldn't be that every single feature that you're building <laughs> it requires like yeah. you know you're basically talking about like a fully like a vented system, not like, but not like event source system, like just a system that is fully like listening for events and firing yes. events, right? Which is so hard to reason about in general. Yep. And that, yeah, I don't think that anybody 
should have to that that is not the solution to like or that's not the new paradigm for laravel by any means like that's not good (laughs) yeah it's it's so tricky because i'm the offender in this case where i've totally wholeheartedly gone in on you know what though actually this is this is good here here's a counterpoint um let's say laravel goes to this universal hook system the way wordpress has i again i told you my like just gut reaction is like oh no you like following the premise everything's good and then i'm like oh wait I, we did this in wordpress it didn't feel good and let's say that that exists in laravel i mean the problem is that when you introduce hooks like this like in here's the problem in wordpress you install a plugin and yeah it's crazy powerful and can freaking overhaul everything but it adds all sorts of uh like maybe there's slowness maybe there's weird side effects to other parts of the system that you don't you wouldn't expect it to so you're like wait like why is this thing so slow oh because this plugin is hooking into that process and it's slowing the page render or slowing saving a new post or or parsing uh the tags whatever those like short tags or something so that feels horrible as a user as you know it just feels horrible and similarly with laravel if let's say all its exception handling it it might even be this way but let's just say it's all like what we've described with our hooks if you install bug snag and everything works magically but then there's some slowness or something you can't pin down you're not like going into vendor bug snag bug snag find all that a certain you don't even know what string to look for it just doesn't feel great where in the the alternate universe the one we have right now which isn't hooky it's like oh i I know where to look i'm gonna look in my handler because i have control over my handler and i let bug snag into my handler i gave them that and i know i did that and it's in their docs because i had to add it to my app so it's friction this same argument could be made about auto registering service providers that before you had to you had to hand write in the service provider and the facades you wanted included in your app from a package and now their package.json can just auto register their own service providers which is awesome especially for stuff like liveware where i want it i want zero config it's like now you actually don't know where to look for stuff and you don't have control over it it's that's that's that push and pull that trade off of this yeah. that indirectness that it introduces and it really not only does it introduce that indirection of like um just following code it also removes control from the user from their application you're like taking things away from them um which is good for their onboarding and experience but bad for their discovery and all that you know yeah i mean i think that my 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 main feeling there is like i'm not proposing that like i don't think that i don't think that the framework should add basically any new hooks like the only thing that i could imagine is introducing a new hook system and like in laravel 12 replacing all the like just just unifying all the different ways that the framework allows for this like reaching into different components and adding callbacks and just make it all work the same way and like that would even make things more discoverable because potentially you could just have a like php artisan hooks list method now that just or a command that just lists all the registered hooks right it'll give you all the locations and all the the files that are calling it right like you would basically be able to go to like more discoverable not less and you're not like making anything because right now 
I can go, you know, Q colon colon create payloads using and give it a callback. And that will hook into the Q system. And yeah. like, and the difference is I happen to know that, but like the way that uh, using like refreshes database on my test like the mechanism that makes refreshes database call the right things at the right time is totally different from yeah. this mechanism. And yeah, that's so the totally only way to different. find this stuff is to go in the docs for all the different points that there's these extension points where if there was a reference of global hooks, like you could just yeah. read through the list of 50 or 15 and see them all and, and know what's available to you. Um, yeah, I agree. In the areas that it's already kind of doing its own hooking in different points, you could unify it and then it would be like a single, it would be more discoverable in a sense. Yeah. Um, and then like yeah. verbs could just use the Laravel hook system. Livewire 4 could just use the Laravel hook system. Like, and it wouldn't be a new concept for people to learn when they come to your package or like a, a slightly yeah. different API for the same problem. True. It'd right. just be like, like Oh, adds like on to library. This list. Yeah. Yeah. This is just another hook. This is a live wire hook. They'd just be namespaced like everything else. It'd be Livewire colon colon mounted or whatever. You know what I mean? Yep. And like, if you wanted to add an internal function that abstracts away some of the, the, you know, um, yes. So I think, I think you're right, Chris. And I think, cause what, what you're saying is like, they're already doing hooks. It's just not universal. And so there really isn't anything to be lost by choosing a more universal approach. So I agree. Um, so the thing I'm about to say, it's not saying, but because you're right. Okay. Yes. Full stop. Um, this, but is just another layer on the hooks versus non-hooks trade-offs. Like first okay. is just like indirection in general. That's just a yeah. problem that yep, for just sure. exists a trade-off. And then, so this, uh, I guess I'm fleshing out the second con that I'm trying to describe that is uh, user control. It's yeah. like a zillion hooks gives gives a, a user or an extender complete control. Um, but yeah, it's actually, there's, there's the extender and the consumer, you know, there's the library maintainer like you and me, and we have complete control, but we are potentially robbing the, the owner from some of that control in this sense. Like, let's say, let's just stick with the exception handler scenario, even though I don't think it's the right one. If, if instead of having your own app handler, it just fires some handler thing that all these packages can hook into and do stuff with the handler, for example, detect if it's a certain status code and return a payload of a certain shape or return us a, a different screen or something when it's a specific uh, error status code or something. Um, so that's good in all the ways we described, but in the, the control way, the it's the same thing as using private or yeah, private classes, you know, or what are they final classes, mm. you know, right. Which everybody hates. Um, so I'm, I'm giving a pro to final classes, even though I've never used one, but when I, so for example, I was writing a feature, um, yesterday that is a, it might not be in live way or not, but it hooks into the HTML that gets returned from the server and mutates it. Right. Sure. So the work I was doing in there though, if I hook, if I wasn't careful, I'm very aware that like, oh, this thing is going to get called 
every single time any LiveWire component returns HTML. So I want to be careful to not penalize all requests. So I add a little bit of juice to conditionally process what I need to process only when I need to process it so that I'm not introducing any extra overhead. But hooks make it so that you don't have to be good like that. Where when you're not using hooks, you you are inherently good like that because you just have normal imperative code. Where you're like, if this thing, then do this thing. Where with hooks, it's like tempting. And I, I find this, actually, this is really relevant because almost anytime I'm using a hook, I have it in my head that this hook, if I add a hook, even if it's just got a single conditional to not do itself, it's still an extra callback in the stack with a conditional. If that conditional depends on querying something in the DOM, it's like that adds slowness. And then if inside that hook, I do something that I'm very acutely aware of when it runs and to be careful to minimize that impact. And I think that requires a lot of developer knowledge about the whole system. And so it's almost like, I don't trust you guys to use my hooks, so I'm not going to document them. There's a handful that I don't document um, because they're not public. I'm using them, but don't use them. Don't, I'm, not tell, I'm not advertising it because you're probably going to abuse them and you're going to hurt the whole application. So that's along those lines of the owner control. The owner of the app is like, if there's no hooks, you have full control. People extending it have a harder time. WordPress is so successful because everybody gets to extend it and you have all sorts of powerful plugins. Um, but it also is at the cost of the integrity of the system. So for Taylor to maintain an experience where the community where you're in in the ecosystem and you're installing packages into your app and whatever, it increases the likelihood that everything is going to be stable and sound and, and harmonious when there's not extension points flying all over the place, you know, <laughs> or when they are. So it, I think it's just a it's just a trade off. I'm not saying it's a blocker, but it is yeah. a trade off. I mean, and and I think that that's like that's like part of the reason why Laravel is good and not bad is that like the right trade-offs have been made right yeah. yeah and i mean that's like that's the thing that taylor has done so well is just like be willing to bring things in when there's really going to be value even if like you could really shoot yourself in the foot with it right yeah, yeah. and not be willing to bring things in that like have undeniable value but like yeah are just not worth it right yes and i feel like this is the same thing like there are undeniably valuable um places where having these types of extension points just makes sense um and like it's up to like the 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 laravel maintainers to kind of like decide because they're i mean they're already making these decisions right they're they, they already decided that like you know uh i just saw another one and like well yeah uh create payload using on the queue that's one that's what i have like they already decided that that's worth it to be able to hook into that moment for various reasons right yeah for sure and i think they're right like i think it's a hundred percent a good yeah thing to be able to hook into and so yeah, like all things, like you can abuse. Yeah, you can abuse any tool, right? Yep. Um, I think strings in in our hooks. I'm just thinking about what you were saying about Taylor and taste and knowing the right trade offs when, like, a, let's say that you make a giant PR that introduces these hooks, and let's say that Taylor's not necessarily intimidated by like breaking stuff or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I think his taste, and similarly my taste, although clearly I've already accepted that trade-off, is strings are gross and not aesthetic. And Mm -hmm. he cares so much about how that code looks and the prettiness of it, where like Q colon colon something using and then passing a callback looks like it fits right in. It's beautiful. Passing in a bespoke string feels gross. You know, like anytime there's a bespoke string, I would still have it. It is now not aesthetic. Um, I see what you're saying. It would just under the hood, you would have the bespoke even so, but uh, yes, you're right because there's, there's bespoke strings with the container, you know, you're just, there are strings all over the framework, but you just don't have to think about them. Yeah. You don't, you're not typing in a a string. Yeah. I mean, like when you call the request helper, all that's doing is app string request, right? Laid dot compiler, everything is just all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think, but I do think, yeah, yeah. I I think that that is um as I get older the I find myself less and less willing to put up with just like magic strings you know like yeah I can accept that they are useful in in different places but like if I can avoid having it be a string yeah, I do course. you know yep so I got enums you know, yep and yeah Constance. Been, yep. Been really loving enums lately. Nice. I've been, like as a I, I feel like I have I had mostly been thinking of enums as like kind of a list of strings or integers, right? Yeah. But I've been I've been doing a few things where like the enums aren't actually even backed by anything, right? Mm. It's like a more pure enumeration. Yeah. And it's it's cool to just be like there's just one, this is just a thing. It's his own space. It's not strings. Yeah. It's not ints. It's not anything. It's, it's, in, it's you know, directions or whatever. You it know? is nice. Like I was pleasantly surprised at PHP making enums, not just like backed by default and being like their own powerful entity that, you know, if you can add methods to something, I'm already just like, oh, sick. All right. I'm in, you know, it's yep. like, oh, yep. I can hack this and do crazy cool stuff. And this makes me more able to make cool APIs um yeah okay the last the last thing that like was kind of on my on my mind that we didn't talk about is in verbs we and and i know if you if you to go we can we can stop i'll I'll throw this out and we can decide if we want to talk about it but I, i know we've been going for a little while um in verbs we do a lot of stuff with php attributes right like um you can annotate a function and that uh that basically cues that function up to be registered as a as a lifecycle hook right okay. yep um which i think is how livewire 3 works in a lot of places right yeah not necessarily the lifecycle part but yeah you know yeah yes it is totally um and i'm wondering if that like is that is that its own thing or is that part of the hook system like is is discovery does discovery through through php attributes does that solve some of the problems that we talked about or does that just add another think, layer of complication i think it does like the livewire case is an example of it i think solving some of the problem 
um yeah i was gonna bring this up before where like this is kind of what we were talking about like you let you want laravel to have a hook system you're not saying you want laravel's api to expose magic strings to a consumer you know keep the helper function keep the nice api and then internally use a hook right yeah exactly so in livewire i started out really hook strong um, i was using it all over the place i expected people to extend it extend livewire using those hooks all over the place but i ended up sort of cannibalizing hooks in that there's actually very few places it is available you know for me if i do need to actually truly hook in with a magic string with that on thing i described but instead i turned hooks into like a class like so there's component hooks and Mm -hmm. but let's forget about that for a second let's just pick on attributes so a php attribute used in livewire that you would decorate a a property or a method with if you source dive it that attribute has lifecycle methods that it can use it has all the methods that you would normally use inside your um inside your component right inside the attribute so there's mount there's hydrate dehydrate boot render uh, destroy all of those things are just methods in the attribute so it's very source diveable you're not exposed to hooks at all everything under the hook is under the hood is hooks Mm -hmm. all those php attributes go through a hook system for every all of that but from a consumer's perspective if you are in user land and you use one of these attributes you can command click to view the definition and you'll see just php methods called mount and 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 you know what those do and there's code inside of them and it's like very discoverable there's no place where it's like on magic string mount and then gets passed a component instance and all this stuff it's sure yeah so i think it's um it's gif wrapped and it enables some of that uh, discovery makes it feel better. So yeah, PHP attributes in this scenario, the way I'm describing them and the way I think you're describing them, help that that user experience feel more um, ergonomic and discoverable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the way we do the way we do it in Verbs is a little different, but I feel like it's. I'm, I'm trying to think. I mean, basically, so in in Verbs there are like five lifecycle moments. You've got authorize, validate. Those happen before events are fired. You can authorize whether an event can be fired. You can validate that the event state is valid. Yep. Um, then you have apply. Yep. Uh, I, I doesn't really matter. But apply and handle. I have the docs it's, here. Daniel just sent it to me actually oh, yesterday, sweet. so I'm I'm seeing validate and apply. Yeah. Um, and I see the state ID attribute or whatever. But yeah. Yeah. So, um. There is a convention right now, right, where on an event, if you're if you write a method that starts with the word apply or starts with the word validate or whatever, uh, that is automatically registered as a, a hook on that moment in the lifecycle. Yeah. Right. But like if you want to name your function something else, like you should be able to annotate it with just like an apply attribute. Yeah, that's nicer and, than a magic prefix for sure. Yeah. And in that case, the attribute itself like is named for the hook that you're hooking into. Yeah. So I would imagine like in that case, like there would still be like a an attribute for each hook that you're like hooking into. And mm-hmm. that attribute would then just like have a reference to the like string name for the hook. So it would still be yeah. like, I don't think passing around like, you know, verbs colon colon apply into some generic 
uh, discovery attribute would be good. Yeah, I, I I definitely think like having bespoke attributes for each of these hooks makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I don't know uh, verbs enough or event sourcing enough or anything to actually speak to to or to 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 have any credibility with my taste when it comes to that. So it could be good or bad. Um, but I, I'll say in like in Livewire, instead of a mount method, if I had a randomly named method and then a mount attribute above it, um, I think I think the ergonomics wouldn't line up there for me. I think it would feel, I don't know. I don't like the way it feels where if I'm, I'm looking at the, you know, the um, verbs docs and I just see a plain standalone method called validate, that feels right to me. Single word, clean, predictable. Um, where if I saw a validate, you know, yeah, I don't know. It's tough to know if I saw a validate or apply or something attribute above a randomly named method, then we're back to, I feel like when, when a non Java user encounters like .NET and, and, and it's like, what, when are these attributes running and how do yeah. they, you know, then I'm back to like, yeah. nah, I don't know about that, but, um, a little, but I actually distinction can't because yeah, I don't the, know. The distinction here is that like you may have multiple, right? So you, if you have one validate method, then that's fine. But if you want to validate a couple different things, yeah, it's a problem. Um, you need different methods, and and in this case, like you know, I'm I I'm like one of the examples that I've been working on in verbs is just like trying to rebuild Monopoly. <laughs> okay. uh, uh, and this is what you know JD's been tweeting about. Uh, he, uh, no, he's working on his own game. But he was saying uh, you were showing. Him oh, maybe. I, yeah, 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 yeah. That that probably is. Um, and like you know, when you fire an event, oftentimes you need to like validate the game, like and validate the player that's doing the thing, right? Like I need to sure. make sure that like the player is in a state that I would expect to do that thing and yeah. i also need to validate that like the game is in a state that like allows the player to do that thing right yeah uh-huh. um and so it makes sense to have multiple hooks into the validate moment in verbs and uh, for me like from a taste perspective i'm always going to name those functions validate something right yeah and so going with the like naming convention is not a problem but I think that having the attributes as a an option feels kind of nice as like a yeah. If you if want. I was a verbs user and I wanted multiple methods, I could see myself being on board with the validate attribute as a non-verbs user, just because it's not out and I haven't worked with an app with it. I would prefer to just see a validate method that calls two sub methods that do their yeah. own thing, you know, yeah. personally. It'd be sure. so simple. People would see it. It'd be so discoverable. It would just be like, I know exactly what's happening here. Yeah. You know, personally. I, I hear what you're saying. Sweet. You know. Well, sweet. I feel like we solved it. I think we did. You know, I think we, I, I yeah. think, uh, we defined it. We defined the problems. We solved the problems and we defined the solution. And the great thing is, like, I got all of the, like, payoff of feeling like I solved it, and now I can just move on and not actually, like, not actually like do this. It. I know. <laughs> Same. Yeah. It's, like, the best. Yep. If I, I were to hit. be in the middle of the Livewire rewrite, I'm almost positive I would go and implement what we've described. But unfortunately, I'm probably going to do nothing about it. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, Until unfortunately for unfortunately for Taylor, I probably will PR a hook <laughs> at some point. Now that we talked about this, right. I uh, I I can't tell. I don't know what your what. I feel like you've got a bunch of uh, Laravel PRs, not recently, but back in the day. Yeah. Um, what's your? Did, did you ever like look at your like ratio? Because I feel like my PR ratio is. It, especially in the beginning, heavily skewed towards not merged. Yeah. I mean, uh, I definitely have a podcast called No Plans to Merge. <laughs> yeah, that's true. This. But my PR merge ratio, I think started out kind of low, but it it's almost, I, I could be wrong here, but I think it's pretty freaking high because I would just never PR anything. It's like um, you watch Suits. You know, um, I don't No, Come on. You're the third person in the world who doesn't watch suits. But the main one of the main characters, Harvey Specter, he's he never goes to trial. You know, like he he doesn't have mm-hmm. any like losses on his record because he always settles before trial. Right. So it's kind of like I'm settling before trial by I'm only going to PR the thing if there's a tweet that's really popular and people are amped about it. And if I just have like a almost hundred percent gut that Taylor's into it, he's expressed he's into it. He's then I'll PR it. And when I PR, I make sure the footprint's really small. And I'm like, you know what yeah. I'm saying? So no, there, no, that's I that's where I am yeah. now. Uh, but I d- I definitely feel like every once in a while I like will swing for something just to see what and it's happens. good. It is good right? to swing, and you should swing. But uh, but yeah, it definitely tanks your ratio. <laughs> it does. It does. Yeah, it's gonna tank yeah. your ratio and PRing this. <laughs> He's not going to merge it straight up. Yeah. It, it feels like a really hard one. He to wouldn't get merge through. it. You would yeah. have to, he would have to be in love with the idea in some way or have enough community pressure. It'd be, I, I have a hard time seeing him merging it, dude. Dude, I have, okay. Here's my pet peeve. Yeah. This is my pet peeve. I keep on bringing up the, the test, the test case, like uh refresh database thing. Yeah. I don't know why it bugs me so much, but like it has always bugged me that in the Laravel test case setup, it like maintains a like bespoke list of traits that it's looking for and initializes those traits. That it's not like some generalized system that just like like everywhere else, like on your model, if you have a trait, right? You can yeah. call boot initialize and you can all call initialized like there's there's multiple moments yeah, that like yeah. your trait can hook into the model life cycle. Right, right, right. And like that's a that's a thing that exists in a lot of the framework. Yeah. But because of like a few weird issues uh mostly having to do with like uh PHP unit doesn't call annotated like setup functions in a predictable order. Mm. Uh Laravel needs to like maintain this list. Mm. And I've like I've taken I've probably taken like four stabs at trying to like really? trying to break be, into this, trying to fix that because it just yeah. like annoys me. And this is, this is just another one of them. That's what, that's really all I care about is Interesting. like getting, getting those, those to be a generalized system. Mm. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. I haven't dealt with that cause I haven't tried a trait, but if I did and was blocked, I would feel the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, you're all right. This is Sunday, Chris. Chris, yeah. this was this was great. This was a this was a great discussion. Um, I have, yeah, I'm coming away with this with more clarity on hooks. This is great. Hooks are good. They're hooks are good. they're they could be bad. bad. They're mostly good. 
I'm going to say. Good and bad. Sweet. All right. Well, thanks for hanging out. Dude, thanks for having me, Chris. 